0: Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career,
1: business, and life. Hello, Launch University listeners. I want to thank you for tuning in and joining us for another episode of the Launch University Podcast. It's always our goal to try to come alongside you and share with you great stories from other launchers tips that we can extract from their journey, uh, ideas that may help you as you're thinking about starting a whole new venture, uh, launching a big project within an organization, or maybe just pursuing a passion or side hobby. And that's what we're going to do today as well. Uh, very excited about having Joel Iverson with me. Joel is one of the founders of Monday Night Brewing, which is a craft brewery in the Atlanta area that has uh, an enormous and growing following. We're going to get to hear that story. So, Joel, let me say thanks for taking time out to come and uh, join me here for the Launch University podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right, we gotta, let's just dive right in. we got to get the story because you've got a very unique and fascinating story about how Monday Night Brewing came into business, and I just got to tell listeners, we're going to have fun uh, unpacking this because this, this is a brand that has personality, to say the least. So, Joel, how did all of this begin? So, uh, you've probably heard
0: this story a million times. It was a Bible study turned brewery. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that (laughs) same old script. Right, exactly. Uh, We were actually... It started 11 years ago. Um, I was in a... Had just started a Friday morning Bible study with a group of guys, and we didn't all know each other that well. Um, We were actually doing a Bible study on... The topic was this book called The Other Six Days and how how your work actually plays into your faith. And, um, and we were, um, my wife had got me a homebrewing kit, uh, one of those like $40 plastic bucket things you buy online. And uh, we decided, uh, you know, hey, let's try brewing a batch of beer as a way to get to know each other better. And we obviously weren't going to brew at 6 a.m. on Friday mornings. And everybody had Monday night free, and we got together one Monday night and tried brewing a batch of beer. And how did that first batch go? <laughs> we like to say the first batch was um, drinkable. Is about <laughs> all the uh, praise we could give it, but it got us really excited, and we kind of realized, you know, this is uh, this is a neat way to just kind of hang out on a Monday night, have something to look forward to. And we kept uh, every Monday night basically brewing a new batch of beer, drinking batches we had made previously, and then um, I like to joke that we had about seven guys in the Bible study, and after a little while we realized that we were making too much beer for one Bible study to safely consume. So we uh, started inviting friends, neighbors, coworkers, Started making some labels for the bottles. Started uh, kind of blogging about our adventures in home brewing, and um, and that was kind of the first the first stage of what was Monday night. And it was it was really just people getting together, making beer, having good conversation, kind of from all walks of life. So I got to ask, was the brewing Good for the Bible study, or not good for the Bible study <laughs> <laughs> well, so since the Bible study was on Friday morning, still it uh, we kind of kept the two separate. One was a very intentional hangout community building time on Monday nights, and Friday morning was hey we're uh, bleary eyed
1: and uh, doing the hardcore uh, hardcore studying and reading that's so, good. Yeah. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump forward in time and get you to talk about where Monday Night Brewing is now, and then we'll go back and fill in some blanks, because there's a, there's a great story that I think is going to be applicable to so many of our listeners. So talk, talk about—it's 11 years later, what's happening with Monday Night now, because you've grown dramatically.
0: Yes, so we have grown dramatically. We made, uh, I guess last year about four million bottles of beer, which is kind of crazy to think about. That's about wow. one bottle for every person in Atlanta. Um, and and we've I think we're the third largest craft brewery now in Georgia. Uh, we've we just broke ground a few weeks ago on a second facility, also right here in Atlanta, uh, just five miles from our original location. Uh, up to 25 full time employees and about 40 part time employees, and it's uh, it's been um, way more fun than I ever imagined, but also way more difficult uh, to get to this point.
1: That's the way things typically go. We find in our launches, fun. Challenging, but hopefully uh, totally rewarding and fulfilling. And so um, you can go to a lot of different restaurants and retail locations and find Monday night brewing products. But you guys also host people certain nights of the week as well. You do uh, tours of your brewery and have a lot of events there as well. Is that not right?
0: Yes, we do. And we. We honestly, that's that's one of, to me, one of the most rewarding parts of what we do. Um, we're able to kind of invite people into our space to tell our story. Uh, and you realize, I mean, that really is the thing that connects it back to brewing in the garage, right? That, that people coming into your space and enjoying the beer and enjoying the conversation. Sometimes for me, I like to, uh, if I've had a really hard week, I'll just sort of, sit at the bar in our tasting room, watching people come in, and just it, it gives me a lot of energy and really sort of renewed hope seeing people just come in and enjoying themselves or sitting at a table and enjoying conversation. Um, and we've done a lot of things to, I think, make make that space very intentional we have big long 16 foot picnic tables outside so you kind of have to sit next to people you might not know <laughs> and yeah. uh, and and we don't we don't have live bands and live music like the idea is hey you're coming into a space that's meant to be Connecting with other humans. It's not like there's TVs everywhere. It's not. Uh, it's not about kind of coming into being to be entertained, but coming into a place that's conducive to relationships, because that's kind of what relationships and community is
1: where this all started for us. Okay. So beyond focus on having a great product, here two are my observations relative to Monday Night Brewing. One is culture's a big, big deal. And you don't take yourself too seriously, and those things may be related. Because I want to illustrate, and then I want to have you unpack this for us. Uh, you're one of three of the uh, key founders and leaders, and you have a, I guess, a, maybe a sort of formal title around overseeing ops. But your your other, your real title is. Uh, Taste Testing Ninja. Is that right? It's the most important thing, yep. <laughs> okay. And so you have a couple other partners. Um, Jeff's the CEO, but his real title is Supreme Beer Chancellor. And then Jonathan's title is Master of Mind Control because he's in charge of... Marketing. There you go, right there. <laughs> so you don't have to get very far to realize uh, you guys are all about having fun. In fact, I happened to see on your blog uh, back in April, April Fools Day, you guys did a little spoof where you act like you took over another yeah. brewery <laughs> as well, which I thought was fun and and well done by the way, well played. Yeah. So talk about not taking yourself too seriously and how I, it appears to me that you guys were really focused on creating a culture that was fun and healthy and that's a and and that feeds Really, what you want it may go to your purpose a little bit about helping to encourage good relationships.
0: Yeah, that is. You know, I think a lot of times it's it's easy to it's easy to say, oh, you guys are just brewing beer. That must be so fun. Uh, but it's actually it's a lot of work. I mean, you're running a food factory for all intents and purposes. And um, and you know what we've tried to do, um, and I'd say we've been. We've, at times, been good at it. At times, we've we've had some very much look in the mirror and realize, you know, we're, as, as we've grown, we've made a lot of mistakes, which I'm happy to air all those as well. Yeah. But uh, but it is, like, at the end of the day, people that are going to get into craft beer, you're not getting in it for the money. It's a very, uh, at the end of the day, pretty low margins um, overall compared to many industries because you're fighting a big multinational conglomerate that uh, controls a lot of supply of key ingredients. and. And so you've got to compete, even with keeping employees, all of our com- employees could make more money elsewhere, but they are choosing to be there because they believe in kind of what we're doing as a company. And they, you know, they genuinely like the ability to create a physical product that people can come in and consume is, is pretty special and pretty rare in sort of a very, um, an economy that's very information driven and not product driven anymore.
1: So talk about your purpose. Share what that is and give us the story behind the purpose.
0: So our purpose, we say Monday Night Brewing exists to deepen human relationships over some of the best beer in the country. And and we we kind of laid out and identified what is what does that mean. We said we want to be, by 2020, best beer in the country means that – when you survey craft beer drinkers in the Georgia market and you say, here are your fi- 10 favorite brands, or you say, "Who are your favorite brands that we would be in the top 10 of the favorite brands for drinkers in our market.
1: Um, and you guys have done that. You've won. We did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. And actually big we, awards. Yeah. And we actually,
0: and we cross that threshold. We do an annual sort of brand survey and we, we crossed that, and we've won probably the most awards of any Georgia brewery, and sort of the exceptional beer. Um, and then the other part, the deepening human relationships—that's one that um, that really comes back to how we got started. It's it's community, it's people. It's one that's harder to measure. We have a lot of we have a lot of metrics with we want to be the highest rated brewery and the tasting room when people come on Google and Yelp and all those things. Uh, but really, more recently, there's we've had kind of an internal Wake up call to what does that mean just among our employees and how we as a company continue to grow and develop and actually it's been um, it's been tough going from three people to twenty five people and letting that play out with everybody.
1: When you when you go on site at the brewery, you. Quickly pick up on the fact that hey, this is a place where you're going to have fun, and I think that's always um, a good part of the mix when you really are trying to get people connected, and deep in relationships. Where did that come from? Who, who, you know, who's the goofball coming up with all the crazy ideas that you might see play out in your marketing and and, and on your site as well? Yeah, it's.
0: Um, I would say it, it it started just in you know our Monday nights getting together. I've probably got, I've got, I grew up in Japan and I've got this kind of like weird Asian sense of humor in terms of what I think is funny. Uh, Jonathan Baker, who's our master of mind control. I mean, when we were homebrewing. he used to send out these monthly newsletters to people. About our progress, and he was a uh, single at the time. And every 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 month, there would be Bachelor of the Month, and it would be him. And it'd be a new write-up <laughs> about him and how eligible he was, and just little things that he is. He's probably one of the funniest people that I know, and uh, just the little things that he does to make to make every day at the brewery uh, in sort of how we communicate things out. It's and it's you realize that that beer at the end of the day. I think whatever you're doing. There's an element of if you're taking yourselves too seriously and there is there's an element of that, I think, in our culture now where everyone's trying so hard to, to be this like I'm a super hipster craftsman and I, you know, wear flannel shirts and I have a big beard and I'm so serious about my work and. Serious about your work and making good beer is important. But if you can't laugh about some of the ridiculousness yeah. <laughs> of what goes on today, then uh, you know I just think it's more enjoyable to have fun with it.
1: I think it makes you guys so much more approachable as well. And so I would even encourage our listeners. I think there's a story here where you don't have to act like you have every little thing totally buttoned up. Go check out the Monday Night Brewing website. Just read the titles of the people and the dogs, I might add, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that are listed as being part of the Monday Night Brewing, Brew, Brewing team. You'll have fun doing that, and it'll give you great insight into, um, in, into the culture. And I, mm-hmm. if you kind of just immediately pick up on this team camaraderie as well just by— Uh, looking at bios. Yeah.
0: We also have a page on there that that catalogs all of our beer mistakes, some of the
1: the beers we made that were total flops, which is also a fun read. (laughs) Okay, well, that's a good point. Let's talk about that, because if I understand correctly, you guys played around with recipes and processes, and it was five years before you went to market. And I want to kind of go back to that part of the story, because one of the concepts we teach is... Uh, as we talk about a, a, a design thinking process or launch sequence that begins with understand the marketplace, you then go to imagine, which is a form of brainstorming, and then we talk about prototyping hmm. and validation. And and prototyping, you really kind of want to work out some of the kinks there before you start to spend money and put more on the line when you get out into the real marketplace. So you guys played around for five years before you said, we got something we can sell. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And most
0: most people that's in this business, it's actually pretty long to, to sort of draw that out. But I mean, kind of what you just described in terms of process, that's really what we went through. We, you know, probably a year or two into meeting on Monday nights, we said, all right, three of us are pretty serious about this. Let's lay out a three-year plan of what steps would need to happen for us to actually open a brewery. We had a document. We had a working document of, all right, we need to talk to retailers. We need to interview distributors. We need to go talk to other brewers. We need to understand what everyone else's pitfalls were. We probably interviewed close to 40 different other breweries. Just and it's, it's amazing how this industry is very open. The camaraderie is pretty, pretty prevalent, and they shared so much good stuff with us. And um, and then we said, all right. Well, instead of spending three million dollars to build the brewery first, we're going to initially launch with what's called contract brewing. So we take our recipes because we're like, what if we, you know, we think our beers are good, but what if we launch these and no one out there in the public wants to buy it? And uh, you know, we've had all these had. Close to three thousand people come through the garage, but maybe they're just telling us they like our beer because they, yeah. <laughs> they don't want to. Uh, Do they feel sorry <laughs> they for feel us? They feel sorry for us. So, so we, uh, so we said, all right. Instead of building the brewery first, we're going to contract brew first, and you know, we brewed it at a brewery up in South Carolina, um, and then shipped it to a distributor here in Georgia, and that that really, I think, was validation for hey, we're not. We're going to step into this very methodically and thoughtfully. Um, there was a book I got interviewed for. It's a um, guy wrote last year. It's called "The Ten Percent Entrepreneur," and his his whole premise is that there's a lot of things you can really sort of test and start on the side before you quit your day job. Because yeah. that's a that's just I. I I can certainly respect the person who's willing to just say, I'm going to drop everything and go full in. And sometimes there are those cases where you have to. Yeah. But if you're in a place where you can say, hey, I'm going to take my time and really thoughtfully and methodically prove a market for something, uh, there's a lot of benefit
1: to that. Okay. So I, this is so good. So I did an interview recently with Blake Howard uh, of Matchstick, and he was talking about Matchstick really got started when he was 22 years old. And he said, I did this one job and I think I made $1,200. And he thought yeah. it was all the money he'd ever <laughs> need in the world. Because, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't have a lot to put on the line at that point. Yeah, you know? He was yeah. willing to sleep on the sofa, yeah. uh, low risk. Yeah. Okay, but I don't think that's the case for you. So talk a little bit. Uh, you know, you had a family. I'm going to assume you had another job. And yep. that was probably true for your partners. Talk about what you were doing and the commitment and leap you had to make to get into this in a full-time way.
0: Yeah, so making that jump, we started so we we started selling with the contract brewed beer, and within about two or three months we realized all right, we gotta go, we gotta go all
1: in. So you were still working beer. another job? At I was
0: still point. working another job, and then one of my business partners, he basically Quit his job and was doing about half time freelance consulting, half time on the brewery. Basically, so we had half an employee basically, and we said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna go all in." And that that was the that was the pretty scary leap. It was basically. Get a loan, SBA loan from the bank. Get some investors. Uh, sign away our children as collateral yeah. <laughs> on a bank loan, and and say, all right, we're we're jumping all in on this.
1: Um, did they have families as well, or is Jonathan still the world's most eligible he bachelor finally at the got time? Married okay, he, he has, did. He
0: has a child, <laughs> and uh, and then Jeff has Jeff has four kids, and I've got four kids. I've had to keep having more kids to uh, keep up with the bank collateral needs. Oh know, yeah, so. <laughs> the stakes get yeah, higher.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay, so um, how'd that feel as you made that transition? Was it liberating? Was it empowering? Was it uh, scary as all get out? What was it? Yeah, it
0: was um, liberating, but scary. I mean, the scary part is... This is a pretty cash intensive business. And so essentially you raise this money and you've got money sitting in your bank account and we actually planned to lose money for about two and a half to three years. Like so you just your your bank balance just goes down and down and down because you're losing money as you're in that growth curve and reinvesting capital back into the business. And and that was just talking to other breweries, they said, "Hey, this is what you need to expect." Because <laughs> <laughs> wow. really, learning from other breweries, you said, "Yeah, I thought I could be profitable in six months, and then I was in debt, and I was, you know, putting money on credit cards, and I was having to make bad deals with investors because I didn't have enough cash to stay afloat." And um, and that was that was where all of our sort of research and homework on the front end paid off because we said, "You know what? We're going to expect to lose money for." two and a half to three years. It was scary, (laughs) but eventually
1: we turned that corner. Okay, that's such a key point that for our listeners, that you have to go in with a realistic expectation for um, likely results and that you're prepared for it. You got enough gas in the tank to get you there. Yeah. Um, So two things come to mind when I think about this. There's often sort of a death of a vision period. I wonder if you guys went through that, A – and then B was there a point at which you thought we were going to make it? We kind of mm-hmm. we kind of broke through.
0: Yeah. The. Um, what do you? Can you clarify De- the death of a vision? Uh,
1: the- we're all excited. We're all excited, and it mm-hmm. just doesn't look like it's going to work. Yeah. Um, and that's not uncommon, you know, where something happens and you're worried this might be catastrophic. We might not survive this.
0: Yeah, there's been uh, there's been a lot of many deaths of a vision. (laughs) Many moments where you're like, I just don't know if we're gonna get open when we're trying to build out the brewery, and you know, and it was uh, it was there's there's a lot of government hurdles with a regulated industry like beer, and it just it's it's more than you can ever imagine. (laughs) Um, In terms of sort of the the moment when I think we're like, all right, we're gonna we're going to actually make it. For me, it was, it was like the first few months. Um, it was mostly like I would be in the tasting room. Like Jonathan and Jeff and I, we did every single tour for the first year of opening the brewery. So every time we were open, one of the three of us was there giving the tour of the brewery. And,
1: and why was that important to do the tours?
0: For us, it was it was really we wanted to share that story and be very intentional about how our story of who we were was communicated to the public and take them through it. And you know, that's a pretty big thing to say. Hey, I'm going to let someone else tell my story yeah. as as a as a tour guide there in the brewery. And um, and for me, it was I, I feel like the first like three or four months, it was people would come, like we'd be open. And I probably knew like half of the people that came to the brewery. (laughs) I was like friends and family and connections or, you know, whatever, or people, you know, all these people that had come through in our garage days. And then I remember probably like six months in, I was working on a Saturday and we had like three or 400 people there. And I was like, wow, I don't know a single person here, like besides our actual employees. And I was like, this means that it's, it's not just our friends who yeah, feel it's,
1: sorry it's, for us. It's working. It's spreading. So, you, w- one, you got to be intentional about just becoming known. Right. W- if, you've, if you're really passionate about an idea or product, you can build it and think, oh, everybody's going to get it automatically. Right. But that's probably naive. You're going to have to find a way to share it. And, and it sounds like the tours were a big part of your share it strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's that's interesting that you you saw the message spread beyond you inviting your friends to the word gets out and you slowly build momentum. Exactly. So is is that when you felt like it's going to make it when you start to see the people we don't know coming?
0: I think so. I think about six months in, like that feeling of all right, wow, this is not just this is not just sort of pity votes and friends. And this is not just, hey, our distributors pushing our beer. They're, people love what we're making and they're really latching on to this story and, um, and to the product and the story and kind of who we are and what we're about.
1: Talk a little bit about distribution and where folks uh, can find your beer and how did it get there? So Georgia, um, like most states, has what's called
0: a sort of distribution tier. So all product has to go from the brewery to a distributor and then from a distributor out to a retailer. So retailer is bars, restaurants, grocery stores, on and on. Um, so we have seven different distributors across the state. They all have territories and our job is to kind of create the draw and the demand and their job is to get it on the shelves and put it out there for consumers to get. And um, and it really it works out well because it allows us to focus on brewing the beer and, and them to focus on running trucks to, you know, gosh, I think we're in probably, probably 2,500 to 3,000 locations around the state, and wow. that's their
1: focus. Our focus is make the beer, ship it to them. So restaurants, grocery stores, and what was the other, you said?
0: Yeah, package stores, package, all okay. that.
1: Yeah, Okay, that's awesome. You get to a point now where you decide um, we're ready to grow, and you've just recently announced this expansion to the second site that you reference. Mm-hmm uh, describe what's going to happen there and talk about the decision that you made to even embark on that expansion.
0: Yeah. So we, we started realizing that we were pushing the limits of our current space. It's about a 20,000 square foot building in West Midtown. Um, we can't really expand. There's no land around us, no room to expand. And, um, we started looking at all right. Well, where do we go next? We actually talked to um, some other cities outside of Georgia who were kind of trying to recruit us pretty heavily, saying, "Come here, we'll help you guys, you know, build a brewery, build a second location." And that's kind of been a trend: multiple breweries having multiple locations, sometimes West Coast breweries having one on the East Coast. Um, but we really, we really kind of came back to this idea of, you know, we're our identity is so connected with the city and with atlanta this is the you know the city where we all sort of met we're all transplants to hear me and my two business partners are we're all transplants here but the city is 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 very much a defining piece of who we are as a brand uh we care deeply about how this city continues to to shape and grow and we had an opportunity to go into this um this development in the west end of Atlanta, um, which is just kind of about a mile and a half south of the Dome, um, an area of a town that is has kind of been behind in terms of development compared to the rest of the city, but it's a 22-acre development um, uh, where – Basically, it's right along the Belt Line, which is this 22 mile loop they're building that's going to really connect the inner parts of the city of Atlanta. It's really a walking and <clears throat> bike path. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of it built on an old rail
1: uh, line bed.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 one of the pretty transformational urban planning projects across the nation um, that, that's happening right now. And so this new spot that we're building is really, it's really about, we, we say internally, it's about doubling down on Atlanta and on this this market and the city that's just has so much potential um, and is growing so rapidly. And really was about saying, all right, we're going to kind of put our flag in the ground and say Atlanta is who we are and we're building a second brewery. We're the first Georgia brewery to build a second manufacturing location, uh, first one in the state to do that. And it's only five miles away from the first one right there in the city of Atlanta. But but it really kind of comes back to our, kind of our core values like and our purpose, which is – Hey, deepen human relationships over some of the best beer. And that's what this new facility is going to allow us to do some crazy specialty barrel age beers that we've won a lot of awards for our, our specialty barrel age stuff. Um, we're having these big custom wooden tanks made over in France right now that we're going to ferment some beers in old wooden tanks like they used to be like used to be done. Nice. And um, and it's going to be just a really special, I think, unique, unique space that people are going to come in and... and be pretty excited about.
1: And when do you think you'll be up and running
0: there? Goal is uh, September. (laughs) September is the goal. I've been, uh, I literally have spent every day this week down there about 10 hours a day, just trying
1: to make sure everything stays on schedule. Um, So do you find that the growth and the expansion, while I know it's an enormous amount of work, you're testifying to that, but it's almost like because you've got momentum, it's not quite the, the uphill climb that getting the business launched in the first place was. Is that fair?
0: <clears throat> yes, I would totally, totally agree. It's, it's, it's kind of like doing it this second go around. Um, I know so much more. And it's nice because the first go around, we're just – spending a bunch of money. <laughs> and uh, this time, we have a viable business going, and we're building a second location, which is a heck of a lot less stress. And really, we've got an amazing team of people. Like It's gone from just kind of being us to uh,
1: a really great team of people. Okay. So you say you know so much more. That that leads me to ask you, think about your experience and, and as you've been involved in this launch. How has Joel Iverson grown, and, and what ways are you a different person than you were then before you embarked on this, this great journey? For me, um, I've had a
0: lot of, I've had a lot of growth around realizing when do I need to keep holding on to something? And when do I need to kind of let it go and let someone else take it? Um, Probably one of the reasons my, my business partners say I'm sort of this like, jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. And I really am. I know know a ton of stuff about all different areas. I can fix someone's computer. I can go fix a pump back in the brewery. I can, you know, uh, at 3 a.m. the other night, one of our brewers called me and he said, hey, the, the drain under the brew house is clogged. I think I jammed a bunch of grain in there. And I can't get the uh, the snake to unclog it. Can you come help? And so I jumped out of bed at 3 a.m. Wow. <laughs> you're, you're
1: handy to have around, Joel.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so kind of, uh, you know, and kind of just a little bit of, I can do a lot in a lot of different areas, but realizing, you know, Part, part of that's also been been a bad thing, because literally people from all across the company, they reach out to me first, because they know I probably have an answer. And having the discipline to say, all right, that's a good question, I could solve it for you. But let me think about how, how, how am I going to help this organization develop one, I'm going to ask questions back to you. And number two, I'm probably going to have to actually get you to go talk to someone else before even if it takes a little longer to solve it. Because that's going to help create a culture where people, it's, it's not just dependent on me to come and swoop in and fix problems when
1: they arise. That's good. All right, so I want to wrap up by asking a question I love to ask our guests who've, who've been through an experience like you have. How do you just manage this? Uh, you, you know, you've got a family to take care of. You've got interest outside of your, your work. You've got this business that's kind of growing like crazy how do you how do you stay on top of all that? What have what are there are there tools or tricks or hacks or processes that you've had to uh, adapt and adopt in order to just keep your head above water? Uh, that's
0: um, I, I would actually say I I go from these points where I think I've got it mostly like under control and in a good place, and then I go into just a season of just craziness um and i think for for me it's for me the the most important thing is you know is having business partners that i can just sit down and we can just sort of air it all out with each other and and we've really had i like to say uh an environment where we can fight fight clean with each other and have Mm, good, good open disagreements um and and just just having the space to just be totally honest with people um has been kind of what allows me to stay sane in terms of hacks i i probably i probably would say just having, for me, the the two things I need is I got to get out and just run.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: When I when I can go on a long run, it clears my head and stuff's weighing me down. And then the other is is really time to just be still and be silent. Um, I, I tend to my my first tendency naturally is to just to fix and to jump into action um, and for myself realizing like, you know what, I need time to just step back and sit and be quiet and to, um, to not always be do, 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 because that's, that's my natural tendency.
1: That's a great answer because so often we get an app or a tool or um, but a technique, but get away, be still, be silent, go run, clear your head. Uh, have a mechanism to have really honest conversation with your business partners. That's rich. Hey, Joel, I really want to thank you for coming and taking the time to share your story. I'm excited about what's going on uh, in your business and excited about the growth that you guys are about to uh, uh see as you open up this new facility, the garage, here in just a a few months. And if people want to follow the story, point them to the the site so that they can keep track of what's going on at Monday night.
0: Yeah, so it's mondaynightbrewing.com and then on uh, Twitter at Monday night and on Facebook Monday
1: night. And uh, we always have uh, very entertaining stuff going in all those places. Got to go check it out. Well, again, many thanks. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for just taking the time to join us. encourage you just to spread the word about Launch University. And if you want to take a moment and run over to iTunes and and rate the podcast or share any feedback, we'd love that as well. But we're grateful for you and hope that as you continue to pursue your dreams, your launch, that uh, you're experiencing tremendous success. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope
0: it's helped move you from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Find more great resources at launchu.net.